0: Hello, wonderful listeners of Diabetics Doing Things. Welcome back to another episode of the show. This is Eritrea. And right before we dive into another incredible episode with an incredible story from someone living with diabetes, I'd like to provide a small content warning. Please be aware that today's episode contains discussion that might be triggering to individuals living with an eating disorder or to anyone who might have a fear of flying. We understand the importance of creating a safe space for everyone. So if these topics are sensitive to you, we encourage you to skip this episode or to listen with caution. All right then, uh, let's get on with this incredible episode
1: with Keish Carter, myself, and Rob. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We're telling the amazing stories of people with diabetes from all over the world. Thank you guys for all the support on the episodes lately. We definitely feel in the love. We've been, been doing almost every week in 2023. Uh, we're back. They say we're back. And our very special guest today, and I think the key word in the intro is all over the world, because... Her work takes her all over the world. Ms. Keisha Carter, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, guys. Glad to be here, actually. Extremely glad to be here.
1: Excited to have you. And you're not only a person with diabetes, and you're not only a flight attendant, but you're also a comedian and a content creator. So really excited to kind of talk through all of the different facets to the extent that we can today. So thank you for coming on. Always. So the the other connection that you have to Eritrea and I is you're one of our own. You're from Dallas, Texas. If you ain't from Dallas, then you just don't get it and we cannot help you. So the big question for us is because we know you were diagnosed at a young age. Were you diagnosed at Children's Medical Center in Dallas? So
2: no, I was diagnosed at Cook's Children's Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas, because I was born in Dallas and then I was adopted. Out to Fort Worth. So awesome. I so, out. born in Park. I was born in Parkland Memorial, but then by the time I was, I had one or two, I was already out to that Fort Worth.
0: I was born in Parkland. My dad always says, fifth floor, of the baby factory." That's what he call it that. That's what they call it in Dallas. <laughs> well, that is.
1: You know, our friends at Cook's Children's, because there's really, if you're, if you're a uh, pediatric diabetes patient in Dallas-Fort Worth, you either are at UT Southwestern Children's or you are at Cook's Children's. So shout out to everybody at Cook's Children's. I met some of their endocrine team over the years. They are awesome people. So shout out to that team out there.
2: Probably was sick of me, but hey, hey, y'all.
1: You know, you know, they were, they were sick of all of us. They were trying to get us out of there and onto the adult endocrinology clinic. Actually, Eritrea did a. A panel at JDRF North Texas and Oklahoma chapter this past weekend on transitioning from pediatric endocrinology care to adults. So mm-hmm. you know, shout out to to all of all of them and Eritrea, the panelist, expert hey. panelist book her. She's booked and busy, but you can book her Eritrea Diabetics Doing Things. So I want you guys to kind of talk a little bit about being diagnosed at eight or nine, you know, because that is like a tough age, I think, obviously, but. I feel like Keisha, you have a unique perspective of kind of like getting through and like some of the, some of the ways that you allowed yourself to accept the diagnosis and even talk about it with, amongst your like friends and peers. So why don't you just kind of walk us through, you know, getting diagnosed at age nine at Cook's Children's.
2: So, oh my, I guess, I don't know, I'm heavily at least it takes. I was born, you know, I didn't have damage at was born, when I was nine, as you see, and so it in, in all, like, I guess, blew through, through the roof. A couple weeks before, while well, I was nine, Memorial Day, Labor Day, which one is in September? Labor Day. Memorial, Labor Day. Labor Day, when I was nine years old, I was at, we were all at a family gathering at the Brimfield, my uncle's house. And my uncle, his daughter, is like my, you know, sister cousin my like, Her and I are very close, so we call each other sisters. And so, her and I were Playing out. So I was with them the week before, when morning we they'd been hanging out at my uncle David's house. And he told my mom at the barbecue, he was like, You owe me a gallon of milk. And my mom was like, Why would I owe you a gallon of milk? Like, if she ate cereal, she ate cereal, but she'd eat a gallon of milk worth of cereal. He was like, No, she drank a gallon of milk. And I hate, I hate milk with my soul. And so my mom was like, Something's got be wrong because Keisha's milk. And then they, she started watching, I guess it's like a mother instinct. She started watching me, as the day went by. Um, and I got paler and paler. And I didn't go outside to play with the kids. And I wasn't an overweight kid. I was very small. And when you don't know what the, I guess, beginning effects of diabetes look like, uh, heavy weight loss is not like something that's like, oh, well, maybe, you know, there's something wrong with this nine-year-old kid that's completely really skinny now. Um, so apparently I lost a lot of weight the night sweat. I'm nine years old. I don't pee in the bed. And I'm a girl. So it's like I'm just thinking I'm hot at night and I'm just overly sweaty. No. Yeah, I was actually seeing issues there. So I didn't tell my mom about it because it was like this nine-year-old girl, you're supposed to be on top of your you know, your stuff. So I just handled it myself. So I didn't tell my mom I was having night sweat. I didn't tell I was overly thirsty because I just thought I was thirsty. And every five minutes and asking the teacher to go to the bathroom, I was classroom fragrance. So she never told me no. So it was never like something that she had to learn. my mother. I was like, well, why should she go out to the bathroom I was a very acting child. I at a very young age. So I passed, we went to the night of that holiday. We went to the emergency room at the hospital, that's what Worth. And I guess at that time, I'm vomiting, like just stomach acid. And the pe- one piece of corn and a piece of chicken I was eating that day because I didn't eat anything because I didn't have any energy. And the moment this the the doctor looked at my mom and he was like, her blood sugar is about seven ninety-eight. And if we don't get her to cooks, it's not gonna be good. And at that time, that's when I slipped the duck coma. So I was in a diabetic coma for twenty four hours. Woke up the next day. I think I got airlifted to cooks from Hugly. And and, I mean, they had to get me there fast. Apparently, I was probably the best thing. And woke up twenty four hours later, thank God it was just twenty four hours slit but they were like you have diabetes and i'm like i'm adopted so and then neither of my grandparents have diabetes so you know like kids like oh my grandma grandma has diabetes i'm like we don't know her i'm adopted so i don't know my bloodline or what it is and yeah spent the week and i see you at nine years old and figuring out you know the cooks and try they walk you through this is what diabetes is. This is how you have to give yourself an insulin shot. So I was very, very young. There was probably a
1: problem, but I was very <laughs> <independent>. <laughs> it's
2: my Well,
1: you touched on a couple of things, which I think are important. And our friends at Beyond Type One are running a campaign called See the Signs, which mm-hmm. talks about just what you mentioned, which is when you're when you look at the symptoms individually, a little bit of weight loss, a little bit of dehydration, maybe some night sweats, you know, as a kid, you know, you're, you know, urinating in in the bed, you know, wet in the bed at night, like those things independently seem kind of weird. Like you said, it's like, oh, this is weird. I need to have my stuff together. But even at age nine, you're able to not, you're able to hide that and able to, to make your way through it. And then before you know it, you realize like, oh man, you know, there's, there's all these different signs, your blood sugar, is 798, and you slip into a diabetic coma. And, you know, I imagine that most of that day, you probably didn't feel great, but you didn't feel that bad. I assume it's yeah. like, you're still doing all of your stuff. And then all of a sudden you slip into a coma for 24 yeah. hours and, and was, thankfully we were able to come out of it.
2: Yes. The decline. Yeah. Really happened Real fast.
1: Yeah. I think that's something that, you know, when we talk about DKA, And we talk about those things, like they can come on really quick. Like it goes from, you know, just a a little bit of a high blood sugar to a a serious emergency, a severe hyperglycemia, uh, extremely quick.
2: Yeah, especially when one of my things my friends, (laughs) my friends joke about all the time. Like she's in a crackhead mode and like when my sugar drops and like people run out on comedians, I make jokes out of the toughest thing. And so when my sugar drops, the best way for me to explain it is like a drug thing, looking for drugs. If I don't want drugs, I want food. So anything I see, I eat peanut butter jelly sandwich, a bowl of sugar snacks, and a bowl of spaghetti in 30 minutes at two o'clock in the morning. it be unstoppable. Like, that is what's going on, it's not me.
1: Do you, does anything stand out as like the weirdest thing that you've ever treated a low blood sugar with?
2: Yes, I was on the aircraft. And my sugar job, I was working for the slash, and we were serving dessert. And they had this like these sheets of crackers, but on the side for the Sunday topping for this ice say Sunday topping was like a raspberry jam, like a raspberry uh syrup, and like a sugar, like no, no sugar whipped cream. I don't know how whipped cream does not have sugar, but it was not sweet at all. But then there I oh, was part, in the corner dipping the crackers in like <laughs> the syrup. And we're crazy with my other spider tooth and looking at me like, are you okay? I was like, no, actually, I need a minute. Please.
1: I, I love that, like, diabetes is such a mind, like, it's just like, it messes up your mind. I'm not going to curse. I'm trying to do better about cursing for my parent <laughs> listeners. So it, it's just such a trick, though, because, like, on one hand, you're just you look like you're eating a snack and like you're hungry. Like, like you you said, you're in your crackhead kind of like mode, but on the other hand, you're like, it's all medicinal, you know? It's like, Oh no, no, no. This is just for my medicine. This is just so I I leave. So I live.
2: This side don't die. One second,
1: please. Yeah. It's just, just one of those tricks that diabetes throws on you. It's it's very similar. I was on the golf course a couple weeks ago and I just, I had to get a replacement pump and my pump was not yet able to be in smart guard on auto mode. And so, I was kind of on manual and I had, it was hot. I was walking and I crushed through my snacks and I had to talk to one of my buddies. I was like, Hey, like you got any snacks? And I'm like sweating. And he he was like, yeah, I have some sour patch kids with that work. I was like, yes, yes, give me those. And then like, I had a little handful and then I was fine. I was back up and he goes, so like, you're good now. I was like, Oh yeah, bro. Like that's all I needed was a little <laughs> bit of my medicine.
2: <laughs> yes. Now friend, and for all the listeners listening, I have never once in my life done any
1: other drug other than insulin, but you
2: know, you see things on TV. And you're like, "Who oh, is that?" When a crackhead, it was like, "Look, it looks like what I look like when I'm ready to eat when my is <laughs> Slow. Yes,
1: That's of course.
2: Before my job, pull up next to me, and be like, penis. We, we got to find that. Yes.
1: <laughs> so, let's talk about your job a little bit. Like you mentioned, like you're treating a low in the cabin. You're working in the first class cabin. You are a flight attendant, and yeah. we've we've never had a, a flight attendant with type one on the podcast before. We've had a couple of pilots. But, and and I know some flight attendants with type one, but you are the first on the podcast. So uh, you get to answer all of our, all of our flight attendant questions. So talk about like what, and we get a lot of travel questions as well. I think people are very, especially if they've been recently diagnosed and they've never traveled on a plane with all their diabetes supplies. So let's talk about a, like being a flight attendant and having diabetes because you're up and around working and, and moving around during the flight while we're all just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you talked about treating a low, uh, by you know dipping it in, in the jelly or in the, in the snacks. Like what kind of accommodations do you have to make sure? Like how do you prepare for uh, a day on the job? So I am very finished. I'm very
2: different in my head. If i gain more weight, I have to take more insulin. If I have to take more insulin, I got to pay for it. It's, insulin is expensive. Don't get big. Don't pay for insulin. You know, that, that's what it was logically. in So me watching my cards and making sure like when I wake up in the morning and I'm at work or any other day I wake up in the morning, get ready for my day period, whether I'm at work or not, I start off with something that I never will, I guess, set my sugar for a while. Like level it out, won't have it too high, going crazy, won't have it too low. So there's something of in my stomach to, you know, level up my blood sugar, and then I'm prepared for the day. Now, so a lot of diabetics I've heard have issues with their pulp releasing insulin into, like releasing insulin into their bloodstream when they are on an airplane. I've never had that issue. I've never had that issue.
1: But I, I, I also have never had. It, but it can happen, and I think it's mostly because of like the pressure change. Uh And sometimes I think it's like, because I don't know, I'm not a scientist. So again, refer to your science on this, but like sometimes the air, like if there's a little air pockets or bubbles in your tubing or in your reservoir, they can expand and contract because of the pressure. So that sometimes causes, causes extra insulin to secrete.
2: You're right. And so I'm again, and if if it has happened to me, I just roll with the questions. I'm very roll with the questions type of girl. I just roll with the foot. my sugar and I just grab, I, listen, there's always a pack of fruit snacks near my soul. And I always grab a pack of fruit snacks. Gushers should actually sponsor me. So, there's always something near me. And you really, and you let your crew know, as by the scene I let my crew and my pilots know, hey, I am a 22 year type one. It'll be 23 years this year. 22 year, I'm 23 type one diabetic. Uh, I'm a professional at this point. If I feel something, you, know, you, feel, you feel it before it comes. It could be 80, going to 40, real quick. And you can feel it before it comes. So I let them know I can feel it before it comes. And if there's any diabetic emergencies on the aircraft, let me know first so that I can treat it the best way as a diabetic. Because a lot of diabetes training uh, for flight attendants isn't as spot on. They only teach us to, just do. if they're having a diabetic issue, give them horse juice. You can give somebody the orange juice that's having a diabetic issue and their sugar's already 400. They're probably gonna have a harder time because you gave them more juice. So I let everybody around me know. You know, I have been, I guess, life training. So yeah, my diabetes doesn't really give me problems while I fly or while I, train. I.
1: I like the way that you frame that. It's kind of very similar. When I was going and visiting colleges to play basketball, that was like professional diabetic. Like, hey, I'm a professional. Like I yes, I have this disease and I'm going to make sure that I, and I may need accommodations, but I'm going to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to make sure that I'm able to answer the bell, so to speak, and, you know, be be the person that I need to be in the midst of it. But that can be challenging. And like you said, like you can just in the middle of a shift, but like just need for, for no random reason, you got to be able to roll with the punches And And, you know, I love that you got a pack of Gushers nearby. That's, I feel like that's me is like, I've always got gummy bears somewhere nearby my person, and when yes. I don't, like that's where I start to actually, I really get, yeah. you know, a little bit. Of, I know there's
2: something. I got something. I always got something on me as a Texan. Usually that means you always got a gun, that too. But I always got food snacks and a pistol. It makes sense.
1: Yeah, I always I, I joke with Eritrea, Like I keep that thing on me, and it's glutathione.
2: Same,
0: absolutely oh. same. Wait, so when we're talking about, because something I always think about when I'm sitting in the emergency row exit, like, you know, like when you sit on the plane, I sit in the emergency row sometimes, and they'll be like, Are you able bodied to help people? We, you know, and I always ask myself in my head, like, I'm saying yes, but what if I'm not? So something I've thought about, like, I'm not a flight attendant. I don't think I would be very good at it. Customer service does not suit
2: me. (laughs) But,
0: but how am I supposed to save somebody's life if I'm low? Like, do you carry? Basically, the question is, do you carry extra supplies in the case that there is a plane crash? Is this something that you think about? I know that you're very yeah. jokey and good at making light of situations, but that could be a real life and death situation for you because yeah. of your employment. So, how do you prepare for that?
2: So, it could be a very life and death situation. And granted, they teach you how to, every flight attendant knows how to evacuate an aircraft and not stand service. With me, then we have a, when you sit in your jump seat, we have like this thing you go through, like steps you go through just in case something's happening Because take off and landing, take off and landing are two of the most critical phases of life. Like that's when that's when the issues should happen, the emergency issues could happen. So that's when you really got to be on your P's and Q's. And so while I'm sitting in my jump in my head, I'm because I do have extra, I have extra diving supplies. You know, if you hit the wall and you patch them off, and we pants up too fast, it's so almost so like you got gotta have some replacement. So I always have extra diving put with me. You know, while I'm sitting in my jump seat, I'm thinking like, if something goes down, I don't know what time I'm going to do. But I'm grabbing my insulin, then y'all can follow me. But then we can be back and Cuz the thing they do teach slide into is no doubt, get out. So there's something, there's, something, there's something that happened, and we can't say everything or give us, because they put us through different scenarios in training, different emergency scenarios. There's something happening, and I have no everybody that I can, no doubt, get out. Grab my insulin, follow me. No doubt, we're getting
1: and, and let's hit the road. Yeah, that's that's what I I, I kind of like. You know, let Jesus take the wheel a little bit too. Like, if this plane's going down, I can't stop it. We're just gonna, I'm gonna do what I can. Yeah, just let it go. But but you First, know, I
0: think I think people forget about that. I think I I think that we do not take the seriousness of flight attendants the way that we should. Like, people oh, yeah. forget that we are suspended in the air. With these people as our, the captains of our life souls. Like in this moment, my life depends on you being able to do your job properly. Yes. And, and I think that this, that people don't remember that. But when I'm talking to some, like a professional like you, know, I'm like, you're so funny. But at the same time, if I die, like, I need you to save me, Swanisha. Like, I both- live-
2: <laughs> We had a medical emergency. And because I played too much, uh, I think people get, catch my joke and get to during my. Uh, introduction on the aircraft because I do tell a few jokes and you know tell, if I tell you jokes to make you laugh you won't act stupid so I gotta make it words so well, it makes sense so I tell a few jokes during my introduction to the aircraft and it's cute it's cool everybody's talking there was a medical emergency on a plane one day and I dialed on the mic I was like ladies and gentlemen so I'm trying not to panic because I'm trying to keep straight face so I'm like ladies and gentlemen please is there like a somebody with medical medical experience like a bed or something like somebody in the whole plane what's that lad? and I'm like okay my bad. Maybe not vent, but somebody that knows how to take blood pressure thing. Somebody help, please. If you find giggling, I'm like, look, we got to press And they think it's common session. Somebody help, But I think, <laughs> I think it's great that you can make such a joke
0: about being in charge of all these people, because I'm sure it's also such a big responsibility for you. I remember once I was on a plane, this was a couple of years ago. I fly a lot and I got laid over and was just stuck on this short two hour flight. And I was like dropping, had no snacks and I needed to eat something like I had to eat it in six hours. And the flight attendant gave me her lunch and she told me, she was like, I am in charge of keeping you alive. And I was like, you are? And she was like, yes, that is the job of the flight attendants. Not just to keep you guys comfortable, but to make sure that you are OK and that you can get through this flight. So I, I it really left an impact on me on how important you guys are.
2: Oh, yeah. And I, because the really ladies, lady, like, she job, down, she had a wishy now, I'm um, religious, but I had my extra blood sugar machine in my bag, and so I was able to give it to the doctor that we found on the board that was helping. You know, he reached at the Rancid and did all the good stuff that they supposed to do, because he had a medical certificate. But anyway, he checked her blood sugar with mine, yeah. Is my, my extra diabetes, blood sugar monitor, glucose machine, my God, there's so many But yeah, so like, I was able to be there and that's very young. I had the extra equipment to make the airline think, okay, maybe we need one of these Irish flags. Maybe we need to train <laughs> our flight until I do So I'm like, they're going to be upset. Go okay, let's do it.
1: It's so interesting though, like the, the stories of like kind of the one-offs, like Eritrea, you are talking about like the woman gave you her lunch. And I remember probably 15 years ago now, but we were out on the taxiway and we hadn't taken off and it had been like two hours. It was like, something was wrong. There was like a maintenance issue at like a plane at the front of the line. And the rest of us, like until we get that plane out of the way, we were stuck. And this was before a CGM. And, you know, I, I tested and like, they hadn't done like a cabin service, but I, I asked one of the flight attendants and I, I feel, I don't know about anybody else, but I feel like so much anxiety when like you ring the service bell. Cause like, you know, like I just feel like they like, it's like they're throwing daggers at you whenever you ring that bell. Yeah. Like, Oh, come on. Somebody hit it again. And, but she came back and I was like, hey, like I, I'm having a little butcher. Like, could you bring me a Sprite? And she brought me a Sprite, but she also brought me two Tito Shooters with me because, because she didn't know why, but she was like, hey, you probably need these too. And I was like, okay, thank you. You got me. I
2: love this for us.
1: Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it, was, this, it was great. But
2: we don't want to do paperwork. And I made our number one, our number one thing is plantain and safety first and medical issues all the so if there's any doubt that to watching this podcast, the moment you are on an aircraft and not having anything going on with you, do not hesitate because that's really what that bill is for. We'd rather you lay the bail and tell me your industry is low and needing us to help you versus somebody that's like, can you pick a rain shot? Ow.
1: No. I didn't die at all. So, so this is important because we're gonna learn about passenger etiquette today because you've got the shirt on, you've got the brand, do not touch the flight attendant. So no. I need to know, you know, I've seen the TikToks, but for our listeners, tell us the story. Where's the origin story of the don't touch the flight attendant shirt? Because I think it's an important lesson because you, you already said it, like people ring the bell to try to get the trash. But, you know, what are the other things that we don't, we as passengers need to be mindful of not doing on a flight?
2: First off, don't touch each other. And second, don't touch us. There's a bell. That tip, there's a button that we give you to save your life. Or if you need anything, right? If you're small, there's a flight attendant button. Every plane has one. Push it. Don't push me. Okay, that's the thing. Passengers feel like they have unauthorized access to you as a flight attendant in the aircraft. The level of what's the word I'm looking for? The level of
1: is it audacity?
2: Oh, I was about to say audacity. <laughs> Come on, why the word? the level of audacity that people get when they come on the aircraft, they're they're feel like they're entitled to everything. Like it, I'm the flight attendant is there a certain no, I'm here to save your life and saving like the nine seconds list in case of any emergency. If I feel like it, I can answer a call, but anyway, don't trust the flight attendant. Came up and my character Sunisha came up. retail I was looking for a smaller airline back then when Sunisha came about. And I was sitting in front of my my hotel room in Austin, Texas, and I had nothing to do. And so I, you know, a little bit theater kid, and I knew that the company, being you know, company branded, I can't. I'm not one of those scientists that puts my company uniform on and stands in front of the camera and starts talking because that's how you get fired. So I uh, made. I went to Walmart in Austin. It was like Halloween time. And they had like this little five dollar movie. And I had like this little fake pin, and whatever case, me like while, like a like, little $5 little necktie, you know, whatever case, maybe put together a flight attendant costume. And I sat in front of my iPad in Austin, and I started talking. And I was doing it for myself, you know, self enthusiast, you know, just, just doing whatever. And lo and behold, literally three days later, Swedish so had went viral internationally. And is like, all over the world, like, called on to Tunisia, Like, I had fans in Germany, and Switzerland, And All over the world. I got. Because, because, you know, touching the Latinx is just a hey, universal problem. Like, don't touch us. Don't try to do, you know, adult things in the bathroom. That is not sex. And it's not allowed sense. Please stop doing that. That's not a thing. It should never be so...
0: Say baby, Keisha, because I've seen so many people get kicked off with lights now for Listen, that.
2: Listen, you don't need that make that bad, my guy. But like please, we smell the best of through asia Apple, coming out the door. And those smoke rejectors in the lavatories are so sensitive. Like, you could be mad and I, you could be hot. And then the fumes, boom, there we go. <laughs> Let me got open the door because you've been in there. Just, I, I don't know. Like, it's crazy how people don't understand the rules. I mean, why we still have ashtrays on the aircraft is because people go in there thinking they can... I don't know. It, it really gives crackhead behavior sometimes with, you know, I can't just... Uh, when, oh, it,
0: when we're talking about things that will get you removed from yeah. aircraft, just because that's been happening so, 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 so much... Oh, as, yes. a in, as a flight attendant, well, I think I have multiple questions. One, have you ever had to kick somebody off an of aircraft? And two, how do you even make that decision? Like, do you as a... Because I think
2: you do have the right to make that decision, right? Yes. Yes. If, yeah. I, feel, if I don't feel comfortable with flying with you, I will have you put off the you aircraft. Or if one of my crew members don't feel comfortable with you. Fine. And there's steps you got to take. Because, you know, a lot of passengers uh, are people. People in general, whether you're the flight attendant or the passenger or the pilot or the gate agent, some people have ego issues. Yeah. And the best flight attendants don't make sure our ego is checked at the door because if there is something you do to me that it, you just hurt my ego, but it's, it's like, like, okay, please get it to go. I can't just, just have you kicked off the flight because you hurt my ego. But, you know, like I said, there's steps. well, uh, one time I did have to kick a passenger off, he didn't move his bag where we asked him to move it. And it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, you're not moving your bag. You're getting off here. It was multiple chances of me giving him the softest, the Keisha softest, the professional Keisha, and then it. I have to fight Swanisha back a lot because Suleisha always comes forward in my head, and so when I'm asking he to move his bag, it's a small bag. You really needs to go by your feet, and he stands up. This is like the third time we try to explain. Him, we got to get more bags so we can leave. And He stands up and he's like, "What you're not gonna do is tell me where to put my bag, or you can move it." And I said, "Sir, the help is not my name, but I'm going to help you off this flight." And That's so he was like, "Okay." So he's yelling, at, mind you. He my dad used to be registered for boxing. I, I, I have an issue with people in my personal space. I know, but I'm trained to know when you're not going to do anything to me. But you being irate passenger, yes, you now have to go because you stood up at me and tried to play me like the song. Now, granted, I gave you three chances to do what we asked you to do. If this time you're breaking the law, now you got to go. And now it looks like an ego thing, but it was not. My safety it was at stake. So that's how it, like I said, is there steps to take before you put somebody off the airplane? You really got to take yourself. Did I was like, that he was talking to me the three or four times I gave him the chance to put his bag up. Oh, I did not like that. So I had to check my ego. Sir, I'm really asking you to him off. I could not do customer service. Yeah.
0: I just have fought. Rob knows. I would have fought that, man. I would have fought they that, man. They would have had to take you and off point? the plane.
1: They would have to take you off the plane, too. That would have been hilarious. Wait, <laughs> so once the they, kick you.
0: So so they, they
2: kick, kick you off, are you no fly now? Or they just... Oh, yes, absolutely. You are no fly. And it depends on the level of what you did to get you put off that aircraft. If you did something that was like, okay, okay. We can just put you on the next slide. You acted up a little bit. We me just put you on the next slide. If you did something like touch me inappropriately, if I you, you really went there, because mm-hmm. people do it, they feel they have, They feel like they have unrestricted access to flight attendants. And I've been touched in places that I, that are on the by passengers because they just feel like they can get my attention. And, yeah, you so got to get just, off. You
0: got to get wow. off. Wow. So you become a terrorist. Sorry, I just Googled it. If they add wow. to the <laughs> no list. you are legally a terrorist. Yes. Anyway,
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. My, so I think I think what I would like to sum it up as is, like, these rules are not – they're rules for safety and the safety of not just you but everybody else around you. And yeah. there's sometimes, you know, 300 of us on a plane. And while, yes, I agree, I feel, flying on a plane now feels like riding on a bus, It feels like, you know, you're kind of like getting (laughs) shuttled in a big group. Everybody's anxious. Everybody's spent a lot of money. Everybody's trying to go on vacation or trying to go to work and try not to be bothered. But like, don't for like, don't touch the flight attendants. and Just remember that one little like, you know, bad moment, like that woman who got stormed off the plane and was like pointing at people. She was from Dallas, of course, like you could definitely Uh tell who, you know, about people not being real and what like. You could be your viral moment could also be your you never fly anywhere again. Yeah. And I always think like you mentioned this earlier, Trey, like I always try to imagine explaining to my great grandparents like that. I can just hop on a plane and go across the world in the same day and like that how that would blow their mind, because I think we've totally lost how magical it is and how special it is to be able to go almost wherever we want to go. And so. Um, you know, while sometimes the, you know, diabetes isn't going to be a big risk for you on, on most flights. I think you should do it confidently. You should pack your stuff and, and go where you want to go, but also follow the rules and be a good community member, be a good friend, be a good passenger because you, you know, you don't want people, people to delay. And, and if you act up, you for sure will get delayed. You will, you real thirsty flight for you,
2: my guy. Humans were
0: not meant to fly. The fact that we get onto these metal things and move from point A to point B is crazy. That's when yes. people used to think that your soulmate was in your area because you ain't going nowhere, partner. Yes, but that's
1: right. That's so right. So people
0: forget that this is like it used to be. Little girls' dreams to be a flight attendant, like yes. it's, and it is still a lot of people's dream job. So how beautiful. Well, today,
1: speaking speaking of soulmate, though, this is and this is a great kind of like finisher because. I, I want to hear Keisha do, honestly, just I could probably hear you do an entire special on this or five minutes at a, at an open mic or something. So you you met Nick Jonas. You were part of a Dexcom campaign. So A, that's something that you got on me because I've never met him because the minute I do, I'm going to take an Instagram photo with him and I'm going to caption it, never talk to me or my son again. Because he <laughs> yeah. is a little, uh, He he's so small. I'm going to put my arm around him and be like, this is my son. Dude. Anyway, <laughs> out, out, out. But you got to meet him. And, you know, the bits that you do online, we found an article that talked about, you know, you and hearing his story, you fell in love with him. And you've been a big, big Joe Bros fan because of that. So tell us about what it was like to meet Nick and like, you know, for you uh, kind of coming full circle.
0: She just fell in love with him. She said he was her man.
2: Listen, when back in, I don't know how old you guys are. I'm 32, just turned 32. So back when I was like, you like the Jonas Brothers, it was a thing, right? And so it was a thing. And me and my friends would like, play John Club music. Uncle, my siblings, and numbers, we were we are screaming these songs like everywhere. My mom would be like, you like, waving this? I'm like, what is this? Because B2K wasn't my thing. But the Jonas Brothers posters, I need to include. So it was my thing. And so when I found out that he, he was already my husband in the seventh grade, when I found out that he had diabetes, I was like, oh, this is perfect. I didn't want to claim my demise. And I didn't want to make sure we meet each other. in love, love. We got people dying, the whole house stay, in And so when I found out that he got married, I'll offended. Because how dare you marry him before I got a chance, chance for him to see my smile like, and little dimple like that? Like. How dare you? But granted, she's she's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Shake feet where you don't compare. And in her wallet and my wallet she really compete against each other. Because I had him laying like it. But then who? So yeah, I met him. And it's so crazy because we were doing the next song, starting for the Super Bowl for the G6. And he walked in the lane. And granted, my trauma response is to crack jokes. I know this because my therapist told me this because really was talking about serious things. She's cracking up laughing because I'm talking. I'm just talking. So she was like, yeah, your trauma response is to make jokes. So I'm in a nervous situation because he walks in the room and everybody's quiet. So I'm looking and I'm like, Oh, so it's you. And everybody's looking, like, what are you doing? I'm like, he starts laughing. He was like, what at you doing? I was Like, this song room is quiet. Nobody's breathing because you walked in the room. You must be an official or something. What's your name? And he said, like, What? Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Like, I'm pleased. So I'm one of the, you know, other talents in the room for the, for the G6. And he was like, okay, nice to meet you. It was at that moment that I felt like, to pull, like, the ultimate homewrecker. When I didn't want to be the ultimate homewrecker, I was like, you know what, Keisha, please, please, not today, Not today.
1: This is why you can't let people from Dallas go anywhere. You can't take us anywhere. Honey! <laughs> wait.
2: But, you know, I just come now, out. Should. Uh, you
1: well, to my mouth. Well, he well, that was so cool. And I know that many of our listeners have asked, you know, when we put out who we want to have on the podcast, that he's on the list. So uh, Nick, if your people hear this, we want to have you on the pod. Uh, we got questions to ask you. Uh, so, and I'm going to ask you about, okay. I'm going to ask you, do you remember Keisha Carter? Because she is ready, waiting for your call, bro. Where are you right. at?
2: Now, I don't want to remember. Okay. I don't. You got to lovely. I love that she has you for me. Okay.
1: You. Have, they have your blessing. And I, and I love right. that. That's so, that's so, I'll- that's so big of you. Always. Uh, Ain't bad now. Love you. Well, Keisha, I I do want to thank you. I know it's been very difficult for us to schedule just because of your travel. And and I thank you for your patience on that. You are hilarious and amazing. And I cannot wait, hopefully, that we get to have our paths cross in person. We're throwing events now and and we're going to be doing more in Dallas. But I wanted to thank you for being a great example for people with diabetes and advocating for yourself. And also doing it in a way that's fun and feels authentic and real. I know that uh, you have me like legitimately like cutting up and laughing and in stitches on this call. So thank you so much for, what are you working on now? Like what's next? Where can our listeners tap in with you and, and follow um, you on, on the socials?
2: So I, that's majority of my soldiers are at InstaKeesh, Insta, K-E-E-S-H, two E's. pilot, cause that's Swinish's logo. I am you I do comedy and flight attending, but I am segueing into burlesque. Um, I'm picking back up my professional dancer bank that I put down a long time ago. But now I'm back in the professional dancing scene, and I'm stepping into the burlesque scene here soon. And they have a diabetes burlesque show in Dallas that I will be looking for looking it being at and doing my debut at the diabetes burlesque for, uh, event. So yeah, that that's my podcast is up. Follow me on all of my socials at InstaKish. YouTube is kicking it with Keish. Y'all got
1: like me. Yeah, well, please let's follow up on the the burlesque event for diabetes because I, I'm sure that there are, you know a lot of people that could go to that that we're connected to and, and may not know about it. That's the first time I've heard of it. So yeah, I would love to. Yes, make, I sure everybody we can, first. We can
2: today. help. I sent the emails, oh, awesome. to were awesome. and everything to get everything going and float. So I'll keep y'all. And a loop about it but yeah, my podcast, my Instagram, all of my skits and everything. I'm coming out with a series for flight attendants here soon on my YouTube. So be looking out for it. I'm doing my writer's Well, name.
1: we will absolutely uh, link to all of that in our show notes. And thank you again for coming on. And uh, yeah, thanks again for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. So we'll see you guys next time.
2: Bye, guys.